chapter four of in search of mademoiselle by george gibbs recording by tony oliva this librivox recording is in the public domain of my bout with de bassan i met her coming out of the passageway which led to the after cabin holding out her hand to me she said frankly i came to seek you master killigrew her manner was one of friendliness and trust and so filled my heart with gratitude that at first i did not note the anxiety which showed in her eyes we moved to an embrasure by one of the casements there she seated herself upon a gun carriage and motioned me to a place at her side god knows master killigrew that we are deep in your debt she began you are the only one my father has trusted since we fled from villeneuve but there is much that you should know mademoiselle i replied my devotion to your interests or cause there may have been more of ardour in my tones than i meant to show for i fancied a pink rosy colour came to her neck and cheeks we have good reason to believe in your honesty of purpose master killigrew she said hastily and my present talk is further proof of confidence the matter concerns don diego de bassan and ourselves this spaniard has no good will for my father but mademoiselle has he you and your captain thought that the reason for the attack lay in his hope to conceal the money in the cabin that was not all when we were first taken aboard the cristoval he gave me the honour of his admiration the following day he sought me on many pretexts i believing that the comfort and peace of madame my mother depended upon diplomacy allowed him to sit and talk with me at last his speech becoming little to my liking i refused him further admittance and told the sieur de la notte of my annoyance i rose from the seat no listen listen to me she continued then twas only three days before the encounter with the great griffin my father sought don alvarez and told him the facts as i relate them demanding the courtesies due to honourable prisoners of war this request was disregarded and don diego came at all hours to our cabin into which the door lock having been removed he entered at whatever hour he pleased she may have marked my manner which as the narrative proceeded grew from joy at her confidence to surprise anger and then rage at the spaniard which as i sat there seemed like to overmaster me i could say no word but for better control kept my eyes fixed upon the deck there was much i knew beneath that story which she had sweetly robbed of its harshness to guard me from rash impulse and so i sat there transfixed i have told this because i think it best to guard against him when we reach the coast de bassan has sworn that he will possess me i know there is not he will not attempt to keep his word 
there is no evil he would not work upon us or upon you to gain his ends for myself i fear nothing but he hates my father with a deadly hatred and madame must be saved from further suffering if the means lie in our power oh what would i not give for the bones and sinews of a man like you who has but to order and the thing is done she stopped abruptly and cast down her eyes as though the manner of her speech had been too strong and unwomanly and i who sat there turned from cold with hatred of the spaniard to warm with love of her for in spite of the distance between us the speech came impulsively from the heart and made me more than ever desire to justify her confidence i cannot say mademoiselle i replied gravely that there will not be danger for there is treachery in dieppe but many strong hearts stand between you and this de bassan her hand lay upon the breeching of the gun beside us small and very white it was ornamented with a ring of ancient setting and workmanship without meditation and eased of my boorishness by some subtle influence that drew me to her i took it in my fingers and raised it to my lips then astonished at my audacity for i had never done so strange a thing i drew back hot and awkward but at once she set me at my ease and would not have it so nay sir she said warmly if you are to serve us truly i would not have a better seal for the contract upon which still in great ferment of mind i straightway made the compact doubly sure she then left me seeking the cabin while i went upon the deck intent upon settling the business at hand the wind now blew freshly from the north and the spray came over the waist cutting sharply against my face as i went forward job goddard lay upon his back upon the tarpaulin of the foreman hatchway while salvation smith read aloud portions of a book of tales relating to the lives of the christian martyrs at times in impressive pauses in the reading of the pious one goddard would raise himself up on one elbow and curse lustily his usual mode of expressing admiration for the martyrs and their sponsor for in salvation lay the makings of a most bigoted and godly reformer job goddard swore by all things under heaven and upon all occasions when that mode of speech seemed least fitting or appropriate and the book of the martyrs was but a part of salvation's instruction in simple and pious thought yet they were both goodly fighters in a place of great difficulty being worth at least four englishmen six spaniards or eight frenchmen the very sound of the clashing of steel pike-heads or the report of the arquebus 
set them upon the very edge of their metal and so the prospect of a fair engagement caused them so great a joy that even devotion to their principles came to be forgotten i therefore knew that the business i had in hand would meet with ready response to-night said i without further ado there is to be a bout smith closed the martyrs with celerity and goddard began to swear glory be job who master killigrew what soons jim what is it sir there is to be a test between the spaniard de bassan and myself in a moment they were all excitement slapping each other upon the back and making a great commotion when they were quiet again i gave them their instructions there were to be no arms for could i not crush him into submission with my own will and uh, sinews then well i had met my match or better but i did not think of that we would fight at twelve o'clock upon the forecastle for there we would be undisturbed two spanish prisoners of de bassan's choice were to stand by him and goddard and salvation smith were to stand by me to see justice done the details being agreed upon i dispatched a message by goddard to the spaniard acquainting him with the plans to which there be no reply i deemed them satisfactory the night came up dark and windy but toward six bells the fresh breeze piled the clouds away to the west and the moon came out lighting up the deck and glimmering upon the bright work of the lanterns prompt upon the stroke of eight bells i caused word to be sent to de bassan when he appeared his cloak was thrown about his shoulders but i could see he wore no doublet having only his shirt hose and a pair of short boots it pleased me to know he had thought proper to make some preparation for the work for i now felt that the matter was not altogether indifferent to him and that in the quieter moments of his cabin he had given me credit for some hardihood now as i measured him by my own stature it seemed indeed as though he had the advantage in height though i much doubt if he had really my breadth of shoulder or my length of arm which were second to no man i had met but the symmetry and grace of his figure were perfect the light shone through the thin shirt and i marked the great muscles behind the shoulders as they played when he moved his arms the collar was open and i could note the swell of the breast muscles as they lay in layers like rows of cordage from breastbone to armpit the thighs were smaller than mine but there was more of grace and more of sinew both there and at the calf 
the ball of which played just at the boot top his eye was bold and clear and he looked at me steadily from the moment he came upon the deck seeking in a way i had seen practised to create a feeling of uneasiness and uncertainty this look of his eyes i took to be but a part of the method of intimidation he had worked upon others and it only served to make me more wary of the tricks i knew he would play should sheer strength not suffice he at once made several tries upon my arm which i held forward to ward a sudden rush below the guard knowing that my youth and clean living might give me advantage in the long struggle i was content for the moment to stand upon guard and suffered him to play around me my eyes fixed upon his every look of which i followed and read for so heavy a man he stepped with wonderful alacrity and sprang from this side to that with speed that puzzled me finding however by reason of my length of reach that he could get no hold he began trying different methods the extension guard has been thought of some advantage and the german brandt has practised it with success yet i counted not upon the wonderful quickness of the man by fainting for finding a catch upon my shoulder he sprang in catching me handily with a grip of his left arm upon my neck and back so fiercely he came that my right arm was pinioned yet my left elbow met him in the middle of the breast below the bone and i stood firm upon my legs which were more stocky of build than his and met the assault strongly as he closed in the arm upon my back and neck took a firmer hold and the hand came over my right shoulder from the back seeking a purchase at the neck the strain he put upon my body was terrible so terrible that for the moment all the breath seemed like to be squeezed from out my lungs backward we strained a foot or so when as he eased his grip to get a better purchase upon the back my right arm came a trifle freer and i found a use for my hand which now got a hold upon his shoulder muscles my nails bit deep into the flesh and i plucked between my palm and fingers a great muscle out of tension and felt for the moment i could hold my own he still had an advantage of me in the grip and though the pressure upon my body was not so great as at the beginning my breath came with difficulty he seemed in little better condition for he breathed hard and i knew the chance blow of the elbow in the breast had robbed him of some of his staying power try as he might his arms about me his head bent forward upon my chest he could not at first bend my neck backward and forward we moved each of us bringing forth all the strength we could neither of us able to gain then the strain put upon me being more than mortal flesh could stand 
little by little i went back until i came down upon one knee the agony of that moment he put forth all his power and tried to break my back with a terrific wrench which must have ended me had not my new position given a side purchase upon him seeing that so long as my right hand shoulder grip remained he could not get the full play of strength in his left arm he bore down with his entire weight in this i humored him till he got me high enough when though still suffering grievously i shifted my grip and took him with both arms one up one down just below his ribs swinging half to the right and using all the power left me i half arose and barked him fairly sending him in a great half-circle and loosing his grip upon my chest yet the strain he had put upon me had weakened me so sorely that ere i could come upon him uh, to follow up my sudden advantage he had broken loose and gained his feet for a further trial body of me lad twas handily done came from goddard in an odd whisper i marked a reverential heart o grace from smith at my back now look out for him sir indeed the face of the spaniard was dreadful to see he stood for the moment his legs apart staggering from the shock of the fall his breath came hard and his eyes gleamed wickedly at me he came and with a desperateness i might not mistake as we sprang into each other's grasp there followed a test of endurance such as i had never before been put to nor will again in turn he tried the cross buttock the back hank and back heel but i managed to meet him at all points though in sore straits for lack of wind i had ten years advantage in the matter of age and the life he had led had doubtless sapped his vigor for as we struggled back and forth i noticed that his grip had lost a part of its power and his offensive play was weaker it seemed as though he lay upon his oars awaiting the chance for a trick by and by he used it his left hand became disengaged and the great wiry fingers fastened a fierce clutch upon my throat which i could not free he had me from the left side and i could not well return his dastardly compliment but as i felt my power a-going by loosing the clasp of my left arm i seized him from behind my right hand going around his neck and my fingers getting a fair good hold on his beard just below the turn of the chin here i had the advantage for he had taken me low down on the neck where the stronger muscles are and feared to loose his grip while my clasp tightened till i felt my thumb and fingers meet on the nether side of the windpipe 
so great a rage i had at his taking me foully that i knew not what i did and as we fell i brought all my strength into play though he fell on top of me and my breath was gone i knew that not death itself could have loosed the clutch i put upon him i saw as through a mist the mouth open and shut hideously the eyes wide with terror came from their sockets and the skin turned black almost as the beard that half hid it the hand upon my neck lost its sinew the muscles of the arm relaxed and the spaniard dropped over to one side nerveless and powerless though still struggling against me the fury did not die out of me at once and it seemed as though my fingers only gripped him the harder then i know not what perhaps some weak and womanish pity at his strait caused me to loose my hold upon the throat which i might have torn out from his body as one would unstrand a hempen cable god knows why i did this thing perhaps it was destiny that i should have spared him in the light of after events it seems as though some stronger hand than mine had set for us the life that followed had i killed him this account would never have been written nor would i have gained the further friendship of mademoiselle but i would set all sail ere my anchor is well clear by all the rules of the game the spaniard had given me the right to his life would to god i had taken it even as he lay there prone and helpless as it was i stumbled to my feet and with goddard and smith stood waiting for de Bassan to rise at first i had not noted the disappearance of his seconds for the terrible earnestness of the bout had blinded me to all but the matter in hand in answer to my question job goddard said odds me it was about the buttock sir which he said was done different in spain maybe i was over rapid in demonstrating my meaning and view the question but i did him no hurt sir curse me if i did the other man sat terrified in the shadow of the foremast but upon my suggestion he went to de Bassan, aiding him to arise and go to the cabin below End of chapter 4